The Money Show. Shapeshifters. A recently fulfilled a long-held ambition of visiting South Africa's oldest family-owned coffee roastery in Kobercha to learn more about their daily grind. Masterton's is a 99-year-old family-owned business. And I started off by asking the second-generation owner, James Masterton, about the origins of the company. Well, my dad was in the Black Watch, and uh, he signed up at the age of 17. He uh, cheated his age, told him he was 18, signed up and spent four years in the trenches, five years in the trenches, and then um, met a South African in hospital, and uh, this man said, let's get out of this hellhole, come to some sunshine in South Africa, and so they got on a boat and ended up in South Africa, and he's actually never, he never returned to the UK. Uh, his original home was in Scotland, in Glasgow, and uh, where his, his uh, family had, a, had, a, had a, a dairy, dairy farm, and he uh, was looking for work in South Africa, and after various uh, opportunities, he saw an advert for a, um, a assistant manager on a, on a dairy farm. So he just got on the train, hopped on there and arrived at this farm in Bedford where my wife happened to be visiting, my, my mother, mother actually, my yeah. mother actually happened to be uh, uh, visiting her uncle who was a manager and that's where my, my dad met my mom on the farm. So it ended up in, uh, in Port Elizabeth and uh, we've never left Port Elizabeth since those days. It was, it was in 1922, 24. How did he become a co- coffee merchant? Because I mean, coffee wouldn't have been you know, that, that that familiar in South Africa a hundred years ago. You would have had to import it. Probably came from Kenya. Probably came from that part of the world. Well, he decided to study tea tasting, and he, he went over to Ceylon, did tea tasting. Ceylon nowadays, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, yeah. And uh, came back to Port Elizabeth and opened his own business because wanting to to um, um, marry uh, my mom and her father said. Until you can provide for her in a manner to which she's accustomed, the answer is no. So he opened his own business, uh, in, in a tea business called the Tea and Coffee House. And then he discovered that uh, coffee was becoming popular. So he bought one bag of uh, Brazilian coffee, in those days, one pound, 18 and six, and started uh, roasting coffee, self-taught. And it just expanded from there, from one bag and a couple of chests of tea, and it expanded and then moved up um, up to the Russell Road in Port Elizabeth uh, to, to different premises, which eventually became too small and uh, so we, we ended up in warmer where we are now with more congenial circumstances and you know more congenial uh, conditions and the customers love it, yeah. Yeah, now I used to drive, often drove past and I thought, I must really pop into Masterton's, I must pop, and finally I've managed to pop into Masterton's. So your dad starts the business, he starts the coffee roasting business, you come along a little while later, do you get into the coffee trade from, from the get-go? Well, when I left school, my dad pulled me straight in, he said, you have to get a job. So he got me an apprenticeship at uh, FG Coffee Joko Tea Company, who were friends of his. So and in those days, Joko, of course, was the brand of tea in tea, South Africa. Right. Loose leaf tea, yeah. and they also yeah. did a ground coffee. And you would go into old farmhouses, and there would be a pot of coffee bubbling on the stove all day. It must have been disgusting, but that would have been Joko coffee, probably. Correct, and Joko tea, Joko co- and FG coffee. Oh, of course, FG, yes. So uh, I worked for them for 11 years. And then my dad said, would you like to get out the corporate world, uh, corporate world and join me, so, which I did. 
1969 I joined my father and from there, there on we just slowly but surely with family influence uh, built the business up to where we are now. And, and what is it now? I mean, there's the, this is the, the hub of the enterprise. I see uh, Masterton's Coffee increasingly, and you've got your distribution sorted out. Ten years ago, occasionally you'd find Masterton's. I've just been given a cup of Masterton's. Thank you very much. It's a flat white. What are the beans in there? That is a blend of five different coffees. It's, it's our blend 1388, which is a trade secret. <laughs> so <laughs> I trust you'll enjoy it. It's just the way I like it. Slightly bitter. But it's nice and rich. Got an edge to it. Lovely. It's very, very good. Excuse me while I sip my coffee. It's lovely. Um, and we're sitting in the salubrious circumstance, in the salubrious environment on Main Road in Warmer in Port Elizabeth. And you have been at these, at these premises for how long? Uh, five years now. We okay. moved. Moved from Central. Got a bit small. Got a little bit... Um, adventurous. It got a little bit too adventurous. I had a yeah. couple of in close encounters there. Yeah. And we decided to buy this property. And without doing too much uh, damage to it, we've kept a lot of the original timber, turned it into a full, a full venue. Yeah. And um, this is our, call it our flagship, but we also bought an old abandoned church in the northern areas where we, we put a factory uh, to produce more volume uh, for the... the, the the Czech is the shop rights and the spas of the world. And um, my local Czech is also carries masters, yeah. so I've, see, I've, I've seen you there. So you're beginning, and, and it feels as if in the last 10 years or so, there's been a ramping up of yeah. the business. You were very local up until yeah. then, yeah. and there's been a, a very deliberate focus to get yeah. more national distribution. Well, you know, the young, bringing young blood into the business, family members into the business. Um, there are four directors now, myself, my wife, my son, Ryla, and his wife, Nicole. They are the directors. They, they fly the ship. And um, they uh, have brought in a lot of new innovations and, and energy. So I can sit back slightly. <laughs> are you able to let go? Because so often in family businesses like this, yeah. I mean, your dad would have been holding on and you would have been the young blood, probably pushing him to do things he didn't want to do. You're probably being pushed by Riley, your son, to do things that you perhaps were uncomfortable with initially. I've never had a problem. Really? Yeah, we can, when I come in when I need to, small things like, you know, the buying of the coffee and the, the, the few skills, the acumen that we've built up over the years, it still comes in handy. But I, I've, I've, we've, there's never been a problem to have a, a normal handover to the, young, to the younger members of the family. And it's working well. It's so important that, isn't it, in yeah. a family business yeah. to be able to do that succession yeah. and be able to bring your expertise when it's required, but also be able to enjoy being able to take a backseat. Oh, now and again, I can go fishing without worrying about the business. <laughs> which, is, which is important. Yeah. Where, talk to me about the global coffee market. Talk to me about where the best beans are coming from well, and what the dynamics are, because it's a, quite a volatile environment, isn't well, it? Well, the best changes on a monthly basis. One year, this one from a certain part of Central America might be the best choice. Then you might pick up a real plum, as we call it, from a part of, of Africa. So it's, it's a skill we've learnt, and we only buy on sample. So it's a constant changing uh, scenario. But the world coffee prices have skyrocketed over the last 18 to 24 months, and the, it's all con con controlled by the New York Sea, the New York uh, Coffee Exchange. So what if, a pr if the prices go up uh, in, in, uh, in, in, say, Europe, for, for example, in Africa, in sympathy, it goes up. Mm. So the, 
there are no bargains, and uh, and there's no, f- it's 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 not it's not a free trade. It's actually controlled. Maybe it's a good thing to cut out all the smuggling that used to happen in the old days, where it was more of a barter system going back 50 years now. But it it works well, but unfortunately, with with the advent of COVID, it caused problems with supply lines and the the shipping cost, for example. A containerization then was 800 US dollars. It went up to 8,000 or yes. more. So it does affect things. And the things are back down to almost a normal, aren't they? And I beg your pardon? Are things back down to sort of a normal level again? Nothing's, nothing's cheap on the shipping side. No. And it's a, it's a very volatile situation, and you have to have good contacts and reliable, reliable sources of, of, of transport, which, which works for us. That is Mr. Masterton, James Masterton, the middle generation of the country's oldest family-owned and operated coffee roastery called Masterton's in Kobecha. We then move inside in a moment and we go to the roasting room. We go to where the scales are. We go to make a blend. Now, Masterton's has got a reputation to anybody who's ever been there to make absolutely bespoke blends you like your coffee strong you like it dark you like it fruitier you like it lighter whatever your preference they will create a blend for you we'll pick up on that in a bit the money show shapeshifters you talk about you only buy on sample you talk about you only buy on sample what how do you get samples do you travel the world does the world come to you how does it we, work? we have brokers we've built up a, like a little web of of people we can trust and uh, if something crops up that we might be interested in we will receive samples in the raw state which we roast ourselves and we put to the test and decide is that is that value for money is it the right? Is it is it in keeping with what we actually want to achieve in our blends? How, and how does that happen? In the olden days, you would have put it into a bag and chucked it onto a, into the post office and had it delivered. It's April now. I got Christmas cards from the United Kingdom on the thirty first of March, so we can't rely on the postal system. No, we've anymore. just we've just received samples emailed to us now. Yeah, and uh, a couple of our staff members, one of them in particular, is was a South African champion barista, so his his talents are very handy when we're doing testing samples and he's got he's got the necessary skills and, and a very a very good palate so when you described it as a plum occasionally you find a plum was that this that is something we're really looking for okay yeah what is what would it be i mean how do you identify something that is going to be extra well, special? The, the score the score that it will get is on the uh, the the acidity of the coffee the the uh, the body the aftertaste the mouthfeel various other things and the appearance of the bean as well and the the brightness in the roast and the bright center cut which is a little white line down the center of the bean is also one of the signs of a good quality coffee so there's there's lots of things to look at and uh, but the moment a dullness appears there, that is a warning that is a red a red uh, red flag a red flag yeah. and we be wary of that so you have to be very cautious what you what you buy as in any commodity. No, absolutely. But how do you tell... I mean, because beans, when they arrive in the raw state, are green yeah. in colour. Um, can you tell the difference between a Guatemalan bean, a Venezuelan bean, a, a has-bean, a bean from, uh, from KZN, because a little bit of coffee is grown in, in KZN, to a bean that comes from Central Africa? Generally, I can. Uh, sometimes they're very similar, but you can, you can smell it in the raw state and, and the appearance. 
and the shape of the bean and also after roasting the uh, how it performs in the roaster um, there's, there's all the things that you know come come to mind but for example in, in closely related countries in Central America some uh, inexperienced people will get confused until they actually taste it in the cup the final the final test is the that cup of coffee and it's been, I suppose, a bit like wine testing. You can tell the origins. You yeah. can tell the, the terroir, as yeah. they call it in the wine industry. You'll, yeah. know if, you'll know if it's French or if it's Italian or if it's South African or Australian or, or uh, comes from the Napa Valley in the United States. Yeah. You've got that level yeah. of understanding of coffee beans yeah. that gives you the ability to discern what comes from where. Yeah. Yeah. What, to your mind, is the ultimate bean? What, what characteristics would it have? What would it do? That, that is a very... It's a difficult one to answer, but I think, first of all, the, um, the altitude at which the bean is grown, it's, it's so important. Uh, the, how it was harvested, how it was processed, particularly if it's a single origin coffee, it's, a, it's crucial. Uh, the appearance in the green state, the moisture content has to be a certain, certain uh, degree, uh, 13 to 15 degrees moisture content, 13 would be optimum. Um, and then the, its, its performance in the roaster, the, the sounds that, 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 that emanate. Then the, the sounds that emanate. So as you're roasting, there's a, a, a bit like Rice Krispies, there's a snap, crack, there, and There's a first and a second crack. And then uh, some of, in the old days, there was a, before Puerto Rico was influenced by you know, various political problems, there was a coffee there. It gave such a loud uh, crack um, and it, 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 it was so dense. You could actually hear it from the room next door. It was a beautiful coffee. It used to come in, used to come in 100 pound bags, massive bags. My dad used to use a lot of that. But the, then the appearance after roasting, and then, as I mentioned before, the, 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 the sign of a bright center cut, and then the evenness of the shape of the bean, and the, the sheen on the bean afterwards. And then obviously the grind and the, the aroma after 72 hours because um, it gives off a vapor for at least 72 hours and it's at its best 72 hours after roasting. Is that when you can bag it and seal it yes. and then take it, put it in a vacuum pack and no. then no contaminants no. can get in because coffee is very absorbent, isn't it? No. It takes on other flavors and other atmosphere. But if, if it's packed in a, in a, a bag without a one-way valve before it's, it's lost its, its, um, its vapors, it actually congeals eventually and turns the bag into like a brick and people think the coffee's old, but it's not. It's actually was packed fresh. Okay. So that, that is why there's a one-way valve. Now, I'm told that you have a, a secret book. And in that book, you have got generations of different families' favorite recipes. They'll come in and they'll say, I would like something robust. I would like it smooth and velvety, but I want it rich with flavor. And I want it to be, have fruity notes. I don't know, whatever descriptors people use. Yeah. And you are a bit of a magician and you take one of those beans and 12 of those and a scoop of those and you, you blend yeah. beans. You blend, you blend blends for specifically for people. Well, those books we have go back over 50, 60 years. And there are about five books there. <laughs> Some difficult, sometimes difficult to decipher because written in a bit of a hurry, but they, they're still there. And they're, they're blends going back tens of, you know, about at least 50 to 60 years. Will you make me a blend? 
certainly do that for you. If I can have your symptoms, I can do it for you. <laughs> your symptoms. So what do I, well, I mean, what do I want? I, I, I just described it. I'd like it rich and velvety. I'd like it to have depth of flavor, but not be too darkly roasted. Um, and sort of like a fruity sort of tone. Can you do that? Well, what I'd like to do for you is in different portions. I wouldn't you know, disclose the you know, proportions, but I, was, I would think at the moment, I would say a very, a very high-grown uh, Guatemalan coffee, mm. uh, a good Nicaraguan if it's available at present, um, an African coffee uh, f- uh, from uh, Rwanda or Burundi, but a high-grown coffee from that. Mm-hmm. And then to give it a little bit of the fruitiness, we can put in a bit of Ethiopian coffee to give it that slight floral fruitiness at the end. And if you wanted it slightly, slightly, slightly stronger, I put 5% of a dark roast uh, Nicaraguan coffee uh, or, or, or Honduran coffee into the end of it. And it'll be lovely. I have no doubt it'll be no. lovely. No. Can we go and do that? We'll certainly do that. Let's you. do that. Okay. Okay. So we're in the roastery and James Masterton is instructing and giving Rwanda. directions for a blend that he's making especially for me as to my predilections and what I wanted. And you can hear the beans. A little bit of Rwanda in there, please. A little bit of Rwanda, yes. Just a touch. Very good. Okay, now, Eugene, have you got, please, just 100 grams of Ethiopian Kempty, please? There we go. And then we'll give us a kilogram of beans, which we're then going to grind. And what sort of grind are we going to do? I I, I like a plunger, but I also sometimes like to do a stovetop Italian Bialetti. We're going Coffee. to have to wing it this time and, and give you a, a compromise a grind. Compromise grind. Which will be suitable in both your espresso and in your filter and your plunger. It will, it will be it will work in all those methods. That is a very noisy process. My it would be, and that would be perfect to grind it a bit coarser for the uh, French press. Uh-huh. Uh, but the first of espresso is off fine, it'll be a little more of a medium. A little bit more mixing, please. And um, <laughs> but it'll work in a filter machine as well. It'll be perfect. But um, this is the most one. You put in about six different beans yeah. from different parts of the world, yes. different levels of roast. Yeah. United Nations. <laughs> and and what is this going to give me when when, when I when I brew this? What it's will it be? It's going to give you 120 cups of coffee. And will it give me a headache? It's going to give you. It's going to light up both your eyeballs. And Fantastic. You're to, and you're going to love it. Let's grind this thing. Okay, grind it. I'll, I'll set the grinder for you. Oh, and this is a big industrial okay. grinder. The beans are going okay. into the top. Okay. There they go. Clatter, clatter. Oh. What a noisy process it was. We then ground the beans and turned them into what they called the compromise blend. I'm enjoying the compromise blend at the moment. James Masterton, uh, the second generation owner of South Africa's oldest family-owned uh, coffee roastery in Kobecha called Masterton's. They've got their global uh, their supply chain sorted out and you can get them. Uh, I've seen checkers and I've seen them in spa and other shops too. Uh, they're reaching the nation out of Kobecha, making coffee as they have for the last 99 years. Tonight's Shapeshifter.